And good morning or good afternoon, everyone. This is Nelson, Nelson Jason Brano here at Investing in America. Okay, folks, um, we are starting off here, the beginning of uh, 2021, and uh, have a guest. He's a repeat guest. We're coming into part two. His name is Keelan Harrington. Um, incredible here. His business, and by the way, he runs the Going the Ultra Mile, Going the Ultra Mile, and uh, Keelan's got a unique, a very unique and different background. Uh, he's been a, a blacksmith. And if, when I first heard that, I really didn't understand the extent of what that job entails, a lot of physical danger. Um, and um, has also been a martial artist in the military to include the Irish military and the French Foreign Legion. Um, so big thing here is, and, and some other things that I'll throw in, but big thing here is what we're going to talk today is one of his core businesses is to take businesses from the brick and mortar domain to the digital side. And now in the area of COVID-19, this is huge. Um, it used to be before in the past that brick and mortar, uh, going digital meant having a website. And that was sometimes grudgingly you had that website, but now it's, it's even more than that. So, um, and to me, this is one of those things where everybody thinks they're an expert, right? They go to Google three clicks. I know, I know everything. Um, but we're going to go really in depth. We're going to go through a case study. We've had questions coming in from our listeners, our audience all over the world, from South America, from Colombia, from, uh, London, from, uh, and this is some pretty interesting people, uh, from Canada. So questions coming in from all over the world. Okay, so uh, Keelan, good morning. I hear you just had to deal with a snowstorm. Yeah, and thanks for having me back on. Snowstorm done. We got here. We're online. We're making it happen. But uh, it's been beautiful. I was uh, I had the fortunate of being at the top of a mountain early this morning. Got nice pictures of it all. And uh, then we made our way down to be on time for you. Okay, well, good. I'm glad you made it down. Uh, here in Florida, we have no clue what a mountain is, okay? We're about as... <laughs> We're as flat as they come. Um, so you'll have to share those pictures with me. Um, Keelan, kind of jumping into this, um, you know, the, the whole going digital, right? So some folks, take a step back, okay? Um, some restaurants, everything has been turned around. I go to restaurants because restaurants before used to be come in, have this dining experience, and they've had to flip things around. This is just an example. And now it's, you know, Uber Eats, right? You can get it to go. There's even special parking spaces, at least in the U.S. and South Florida, where just for the Uber Eats people, just for the to-go people. Um, so everything is, is, is kind of turned around. And the, uh, the, probably the best example of that is Amazon, right? Um, they're like the, one of the largest retailers, not the larger, beating Walmart. And they have no fixed locations where people can go in and say, I'll pick it up. So I, I just use that to set the stage. Um, kind of overall, big picture, what are your thoughts on what's taking place today, COVID-19, pandemic, business and people? And then we're going to go into the other parts. Well, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is it is a time that's causing a lot of stress in people's lives and a lot of emotions. Mm -hmm. And when you've got to rely on your income, your living, your family, and you're responsible for these things, and there's a sense of reliance on a person, and something that was the way it always was, i.e. your business, has now suddenly got to make an enormous change. That brings on a lot of stress and pressure. And in those mm -hmm. moments, we either revert back to previously learned behavior or we decide to use it as an opportunity of growth and to step out of our comfort zone and mm -hmm. create pivots. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, and I've met with them, spoken with them, and I'm observing it, are finding that a, a very tough jam to be in and to deal with. And my, my heart goes out to a lot of people because stepping into the pivoting zone of changing business is not necessarily something everybody has wanted to do or has been equipped to do and i've seen it bring on a, a, an enormous amount of stress in people's lives at the same time it has been fantastic to see a large amount of people grab that bull by the horns and decide 
to see it as an opportunity and go through the suffering and growth and get out the other side with a whole range of new uh, vantage points compared with where they were pre-COVID. And that kind of segues into what I do, which is how you conjure something up in your imagination, how you thought it to be might not necessarily be where we end up in terms of adopting your business or even you yourself, if you're on that journey uh, by on your own. However, taking action and getting started at least removes people from where most of the failure occurs, which is that period at the start of not getting started. Mm-hmm. So it's been an interesting time watching other, myself included, learn and grow. You know, you, you learn... Mm, this is what works, this is what doesn't work. And it's been quite an evolving, changing period of time. But overall, and I know it um, might sound like a sound bite to people that are in a stressful situation, currently under that enormous pressure, but it's provided quite an opportunity to watch people take that step back, detach, and you can see people recalibrating and they're deciding how they're going to re-engage on things. And I think it's been quite a unique experience to trying to see the good for what it is considering the bad mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah it, it it is it is the um you know Kaelin we've had um questions come in like I said from all over the world um and um you know we're gonna go through I'd like you to go through a case study I'm gonna put a situation, a scenario to you. And I think going through that, we'll probably get a lot of these questions answered. Um, Some questions are like, what are the benefits of going digital? And then some are obvious, but then some are not so obvious. Um, Timelines, steps, phases, and going digital, right? Um, The onboarding process. Another question is what tools are key and necessary for a business to go digital? Again, some are obvious, some are not so obvious. Um, What should a business owner entrepreneur visualize as they're doing this? Uh, Communication between them, staff, you, whoever's helping them out. And uh, there's even a question of what advertisements should I do a podcast? Should I do YouTube? I thought that was kind of funny. and then another one is budget. You know, how should I budget for this? So, um, so you know, we're gonna kind of jump into this thing. Oh, there's another question um, coming in from, and I'm just gonna mention out the names of the pe- people. Um, sure. You know, Jota. I'll just use the first names. Another one's from Olga, coming in from Colombia. Another one is from Piroska, from Canada. Um, so. This is the kind of a hypothetical situation here, maybe even not that hypothetical. Um, you've got uh, a business owner, uh, an entrepreneur. Um, she owns a brick and mortar business, very much a brick and mortar. You know, they sell stuff. Uh, people come in off the street. Um, it is a hundred percent old school, like they have 10 things on the wall. And they know they have 10 because they physically see, visually see 10. Um, they don't even have barcodes, okay? Um, yeah. They don't, you know, like, hey, you know, the little cash rate. I mean, it's an all cash uh, kind of thing. And they, they recently purchased it. And now they want to say, you know what? Everything's happening. They want to go digital. How would you take them, talk them through that process? Okay, so there's a couple of things to unpack right away, and you've put it out to me as a, a the, the, the case study aspect. I obviously don't know the person. So there's a few things. To answer the question on a very basic level to begin with, you could set it up online, bring the products online through an online shop, targeting in the domains that are relevant to your business niche. Uh, and piggybacking off them, getting redirectories, getting relevancy scoring on Google, making sure your website is, it has a good quality score and that you're linked into all the, perhaps do some bidding on keyword searches and, and have your bids up to date so that you're kind of coming up on top from that point of view. Then there's another way to go and look at it. And 
I want to be very clear that the answers that I give people in relation to what I can do for them, not always necessarily the answers that they want to hear. But if I don't give the answers that I feel are best, I would never be doing my job, okay? Right. And what tends to happen a lot as we go through this process is we uncover other opportunities as well for people to embark on. So by using, say, the example of this business you just outlined to me, and mm -hmm. by really digging into why they have that business and have acquired it and ended up with it, what it does and how it does this, there's a term that I find hugely important, and some people may have heard of it. It's called Ikigai. It's a Japanese Ik term. Ikigai. Ikigai. I-K-I-G-A-I. I-K-I-G-A-I. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Simon Sinek does a good TED Talk explaining Ikigai. I think he calls it golden circles. Mm -hmm. if, if, so the idea of Ikigai is if you can add value to the world, revolved around not just what you sell and how you sell it, but more focus on the why. And Apple did a very good job on this. Mm -hmm. Apple have an iPhone and they sell it. That's what it is and how they do it. You know, they make sales. But their why revolved around the idea of think differently, being innovative and trying to transform people and step mm -hmm. forward. And the events and the other things that sat in the peripheral of that became their brand essence and personality, which are the two other words that weave into what Ikigai is. Right. So that sort of touches on, you might've heard this before, you know, if people don't buy products, they buy people. And that's right. where that kind of stems in. So for example, I had this with a client. Um, he wanted to, he, he was a very good cook. And he was like, I want a restaurant. And he'd visualize this and he knew where the seats were going to be. And he had this vision board done and all of this. And um, he was about to take out a large loan and go hell for leather. And I said to him, I said, um, why don't you volunteer at so-and-so's restaurant and do a couple of weeks work there? And he was like, why would I do that? I was like, well, you know, it's a big commitment and you're seeing it from one position right now. If you go and you try something slightly different, you might just, you know, just try it. So he took my word for it. And he did it. And he came back to me and he was like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I volunteered for two weeks there. It turns out I realized I like cooking. I don't want to have a restaurant. Everything else is really stressful. The staff, the this, the that, the admin, the people calling in sick, the customers not being happy. And anyway, what we ended up figuring out was he was just very creative. And he also liked teaching. So he ended up doing... um. Uh, a lot of baking and artisan cakes and he ended up becoming a wedding specialist. And then he ended up having a staff of people that crewed under him and he scaled the business to 15 people. So mm -hmm. what I'm demonstrating by that is when we uncovered his why, which is something we don't do as people for a large majority of our life, we could end up fixed into patterns that we're not quite sure why we're there. And it allows us not to see things um, in a new context. So again, coming back to that, we could start with uncovering that business, setting up the account, uh, you know, getting it online from a very basic store point of view. But this individual, you know, I've got four modules that I go through in terms of a scope of work form and we're figuring this out and getting into the granular details of what I've just touched on. I've yet to come across where we don't end up going you know, I had an accountant, for example, and I had a similar conversation. We were taking his services online more to teach people how to streamline the cost of their business and spreadsheeting and basic things that you could learn to do yourself so you don't have to pay all the admin fees on an accountant. Anyway, when I got talking to him and we went into the conversation and I asked kind of the question, you know, what do you want to be when you were seven? He was like, a fireman. And I was like, okay, that's very different to what you're doing now. What happened? He's like, ah. I just, you know, grew up and went to college and I followed the labels and I did this and well, I don't know. I'm, I'm just here now. I don't know what else to do. So then when we got into it and I said, okay, again, 
what was it that attracted you to the idea of being a fireman? He was like, ah, oh, excitement and this and the tools and, you know, I don't know when we got to the bottom of it. Do you know what he's doing now as another business? So he still has his accounting firm. He now has an outdoor pursuit school where he's doing rock climbing, mountain climbing, zip lining, mm -hmm. you know, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So there's a couple of different layers to unpack on this. It just transpires a lot of the time that we end up also finding other businesses and the, the framework of the digital ecosystem. Mm -hmm. You could say in a way is very simple. Once you've learned those tools and techniques, you can just replicate it out across to other businesses. And again, I think this is how the greats, if from a business standpoint, the Warren Buffetts or the Elon Musks or Bill Gates or, you know, people that have been super successful with multiple companies, that's essentially what they have also figured out. You know, they figured out what they're good at within that realm, how to put the team under them to carry out the execution of that vision Mm -hmm. hold themselves very accountable, hold other people accountable. But the formula, for want of an easy way to summarize it, that becomes uh, repeatable. And that formula will also adjust from person to person. The mm -hmm. same way from a self-defense situation, depending on your height and build, uh, a jiu-jitsu might be more appropriate for you. But if it's a shorter stocker person like me, I'm pretty good at judo. That might be more suitable to me. And again, scratching into those questions and really digging down is how we end up figuring out, well, what take is going to suit you best? And I've also had this with two clients where I realized, you know what? I'm not the right fit for you, but I know someone who I think is, and you refer them on. And <clears throat> that's another important quality that is important for the entrepreneur taking on the journey of going into the digital world it's that idea of knowing when to be aware of your ego you know sometimes as people um it would be very easy for me to have gone oh yeah i know this and, and forced it even though the tools and techniques would probably have worked there mm -hmm. was just something and when you have that intuition where you're like i shouldn't do this for whatever mm -hmm. the reason you should follow it and they got on very well with the people i referred them to and i couldn't put my finger on why it was probably not likely, but it's good to know what's in your lane and what's not in your lane. Mm -hmm. And again, teaching that to the people stepping in is also very important to know when something is for you and when it's not. Uh, like one woman who inherited her business from her parents and, you know, she, it, she was keeping her head above water and she came to try and get it online and do this. But when we got to the bottom of it, she's like, I don't want it. It's not what I want to do. You know, it was actually a restaurant as well. And, you know, but she found it so hard to admit that to herself and to go through the process of kind of telling them, this isn't what I want. You know, this is what you have wanted. Plus well, uh, it's a family inheritance. So you've got a bunch of guilt associated yeah. with money feelings. The parents just yeah. dedicated a good chunk of their life to give a person something and to say, no, thank you makes that person look like the biggest ingrate in the world. Yeah, even though, in my opinion, that shouldn't be the case. You know, I would never want to live vicariously through my children based on my, you know, idea of how life should be. So, yeah, build it, have the security, but it's not what they want to do. It's awful. And the thing is, no matter what she did, because her heart, her, her values were not lined up to her goals, she had different goals that she wanted <laughs> to carry out that was always going to be like swimming against the tide for her, you know? So my job there ended up being um, almost more like personal coaching where we did very little from a business standpoint. And it was more like the personal development side where I gave her. Uh, uh, Keelan, we, we lost it a little bit. It dropped a little bit. Hello? Yeah, it just got really low. Oh, okay. Are we, are we good again? Uh, really low. Is there some way we can raise the volume? My okay. Um, I think I think maybe the connection you got to go a little bit tighter in. Are we here? Much better. Yeah, I think the connection just one of the three plugs okay. came out. All right, we're good. Thank you. Um, so what ended so my job there I could have told her things that she wanted to hear and painted the picture of I can do this and do this and do this for you 
and charge her money, you know, which is what a lot of people would do most likely. But again, uh, that wouldn't be in line with my values. So what I ended up doing was showing her that just extracting out the strength that she needed to be able to voice her opinion and empower her to take the action that she wanted to take. So that's how that example ended up. And she ended up, uh, because she ended up bringing it to the table and talking with the parents, they ended up selling the business and they divided the money in a way that they were all happy and they all moved on to very different chapters in life, but they're mm -hmm. all happy now. So it can be um, a process that sometimes I, when I get a client on, we don't know where we end up because uh, it's quite complicated and simple at the same time. So there are some examples of how a few of those things have gone. Hmm. You know, that's interesting. Um, and I don't want to deviate too far, but I, you know, when we're buying property, we run into that where they'll build these kind of empires or mini empires. And uh, the kids will say, I don't want that. And with my background, I'm thinking I was not part of that lucky DNA club. I mean, I want to be, um, and just to say, no, I don't want that to me is like, I mean, it's an opportunity for me, but, uh, when I hear that, I'm like, how could you, but of course I have to look at it from the other viewpoint as well. Right. Um, there's option three, which is maybe let's sell it. Maybe let's, uh, get someone else to manage it. Right. We keep it, but someone else manage it. That does not become my, or their full-time endeavor. Um, so yeah, going through that, that, uh, that Ikigai process, the, um, so as we go along and, and I, and I really want to kind of delve into this as, so we're going, we're working with this and it's a female entrepreneur, Latin America. She's got a brick and mortar business. She's very much an entrepreneur. We've gone through this. She now sees that there's a potential secondary, uh, endeavor opportunity. Um, but she still needs to take this thing, or at least she thinks she does anyway, from the brick and mortar to the digital domain. She got beat up somewhat heavily during COVID, um, but was able to come out on top still. Um, how would you talk her through, you know, a timeline, steps, phases, key tools, um, and to use the military term, the MDMP, military decision-making process, right? That, um, so how, how, how would that kind of happen as you're advising, talking this client through the process? First thing we do is we'd map out a set of priorities mm -hmm. and how we're going to execute them. Mm -hmm. A simple list like that. So it should take no longer than eight weeks to get a web page up, have it plugged into the right areas of focus um, in terms of those keyword searches, bidding techniques, quality scoring, load time, what I said at the beginning, mm -hmm. have all that mapped out, have it plugged in, and then run some simple advertisements. Mm -hmm. um, there's, it's not the likes of Facebook, for example, Google ads, YouTube, mm -hmm. depending on the products, we find the fitting of where they sit best. Sometimes the Shopify accounts, Amazon as well, you know, plugging in, piggybacking off of other established funnels. Ultimately, you always want to funnel those people back to your own web page. So you've got control of the audience and the traffic and you're trying to keep the percentages marked in your interest and not divvy it out amongst other funnels. Um, so go through, getting that process set up, getting the advertisements, the script writing of the ad set up, because again, copywriting is its own specific niche. You know, mm -hmm. we, we can, we can come out saying something and we're like, that's the greatest thing in the world. And, but it doesn't speak because nine times out of 10, we forget a very important key phrase. You are not your audience, you know? Um, and that's something I've had to relearn time and time again, because you get so in the picture, you, you forget to see the frame around this and, and you're speaking in a way that you're like, oh yeah, this is for the other Nelson listening to me or the other Keelan and you're like, wait, wait, no, hang on. No, I'm talking to this person over here. So the that, that's a skill set by itself, by the way. Yes. It's a whole it really skill set by itself. Yeah. 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 It really is. So, so dialing in that, uh, you know, setting up your ads and then you're retargeting ads so that you, you know, I am Nelson here and you know, I see you're checking out my podcast and I'd love you to click on the link and come listen to our valuable conversations and then have your next one. Hey, 
if you're watching this one, I know you watched the other one and you're sitting there and you're thinking, what can Nelson do for you? But look, click on the link and you'll find out. And then you know, mm-hmm. kind of like scaling, escalating mm-hmm. that call to action through the targeting ads. Uh, quite a bit of a skill set to dial in, knowing exactly how to use the advertising platform so you're getting best bang for your buck. Different ads will run under different strategies. You know, as you could throw a thousand bucks at an ad and not get much for it, or you could throw that thousand bucks out over six months and get quite a repeated return as you get the pixel tracking and the audience data together and you're dialing it in more. So there's quite a lot of work in that. I'm just saying it. It's kind of like saying, what does a plumber do? He puts some pipes together and I don't know, plums up your house. Well, he spends four years learning how to do it. It's not as straightforward as just saying he puts pipes together. But so about eight weeks is what you'd allow. Uh, it wouldn't be much of an investment for the likes of an initial landing page and getting all that dialed in. And again, depending on the products, if they're things of necessity for people, you know, tools, shovels, sockets, cleaning products, you know, things that people need, it's easy to find that audience. You know, if it's a little bit more abstract, like I had a person and, um, I, I had a person who was a psychic and they wanted to take their business online. I'll cut the story short. Do you know what she ended up doing? She ended huh. up fixing horses psychically over the phone. She fixed horses psychically over the phone. Yeah, recalibrated their chakras. Of a horse? Of a horse over the phone on a 20 minute session for 250 bucks a session. Wow, she was getting that kind of money and she kept her clothes on, okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I bring that up as a thing of thinking about you are not your customer, same thing. You know, when she came, again, I was almost at the stage of, I don't think I'm the right fit for you and what you're looking for. And again, my job is to empower people with responsibility and teach them the techniques so that they carry out the work so that one, they have a value for their actions and they've got mm-hmm. some skin in the game so they actually mm-hmm. hold themselves accountable. Mm-hmm. And two, their company has to have their essence, their ikigai in it so that they attract that customer, that audience persona that's in line with them. If I would have, so I just taught her what I taught her and she made it happen. And she, she, that's her business and it's successful. I would never have thought, you know, honestly put that there's a business in that. I probably wouldn't have gone much further in, in, you know, I probably would have gone, you know, I'm not for you. I think this is a waste of money, but, but that would have been me and, and where I was at, at viewing that picture, she made it work. And again, the only way that that worked is the core principle that I try and focus on is I'm here to bring the best out of you. So she made it her icky guy. If I would have done this with my um, mindset on the product, it would not have conveyed to the audience persona and created that 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 connection in the in the sales funnel. You know, so there you go. Uh, you know, different strokes, different folks. Yeah. Every sauce with a lid, and and that's another example. Right. Of uh, yeah. So basically, they have to go through the process. It's yeah. It's like you have to go through the process to see what it is. You may visualize something as a person, me, you, the entrepreneur, the owner may visualize something, but unless they go through the process itself of taking it out of their brain and putting it onto paper and not just, this is what I want to do, but taking a step back, this is what I'm doing, but who and what do I want to be? It's two totally different things, right? Mm-hmm. Two totally different things. Going back to the um, the uh, restaurant restaurateur who said, I want to have a restaurant business. Well, what he really wants to do is be a creative guy in the restaurant business, not run and own a restaurant. He wants to be a creative person in the restaurant business but not run a restaurant, be Correct. a restaurant. He doesn't want to be doing, excuse me, payroll. He doesn't want to be doing that. He wants to be being creative. 
Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, another important takeaway was he was focusing the idea of restaurant because that was all that he knew. You know, he, he, he was limited in his vision for what he could do. Mm-hmm. You know, now he does it out of his own home. He's got no overheads. He's got no rent, no rates, no electricity bills. You know, yes, his, his home ones, but he's not invested in another premises and he's using other services for delivery. So he's cutting down on his vehicle costs, his fuel. So he just saw it from the lens. That was all he knew. And that was this. To so do, it, not yeah. to be. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, and it's been interesting seeing that process occur time and time again. I've seen some amazing transformations of people as in their idea, their starting point. I want a podcast. Cool. We finish. I've launched the book. You know, it's <laughs> like, well, that was very different, you know? Um, right. And that's an amazing thing to see. So as we go through this, and you know, there's some technical terms, you mentioned landing page, okay? So we're gonna bounce a little bit here. Landing page. There's some folks who don't know, is that they're gonna ask, is that a website? What exactly is a landing page? Sure, um, so landing page or a splash page. And by the way, is that different from a regular website? Well, essentially they're all the same thing. So uh, let me try and find an example. We're talking about, cars and now we're going to break it down into different makes of cars essentially it's the same thing so a website is uh, what we would imagine is someone's web page where you go to home section and about section uh, sales shop you know the the, the full product range uh, a landing page or a splash page it's the same thing it just tends to be a one page landing domain for that one product and it's the cheapest clearest way for a startup person to get on the online sphere, you know, and, and you can often create them yourself. If you have a little bit of tech savvy using things like Wix or Squarespace, even the WordPress um, builder is pretty uh, straightforward once you have a little bit of orientation done. Obviously, doing more detailed and the graphics and expanding it and backlinks and funnels and, and other stuff. That can be a little bit more tricky, but to get a basic splash page, hi, I'm Nelson. I have a podcast about investing. Click here to sign up. You know, that's a very easy thing to do. So that would be the starting point of a lot of these products. So in layman's terms, right? And I'm a, I'm a regular guy, you know, um, the reason oh, I, wow. when I drive, I stop because it, it says stop and there's a hand stop. Um, <clears throat> the landing page is basically the welcome mat. Your digital welcome mat. Hey, I'm here. I exist. Come on in. That's it. The welcome mat in any store doesn't say who am I? What's my name? No, it just says welcome. Correct. Yeah. Mm. Um, within within three seconds, you want somebody looking at your page and knowing what it's about. Mm-hmm. Hi, podcast. Click here. Okay. Hi, hardware sales. Click here. You know, something as simple as that. And then obviously, going back to the term about people by people and not products, you're going to have a, a, a charisma and a dynamic about you that speaks to certain people. Uh, I would have one about me. So when it goes about, when we go on about creating the copy, as in the caption line that is explaining the products, you know, welcome and it's this. We'd obviously try and use words then that are relatable to that audience persona. I wouldn't be speaking towards, let's say, I don't know, 75 to 80-year-old retired pensioners from Switzerland. That's, that's not my audience. So, you know, whatever keywords we would figure out by going through mm-hmm. the process, line up with resonating with that audience, that's not what I would use. A lot of what I'm about is discipline, leadership, and accountability, you know, so I would make sure that I'm using words and language that fall in that domain within that sentence to resonate with the person that I'm trying to speak to. And then there's scaling the brand after that, which is once you have a little bit of established uh, presence, you can then expand to a full website which because it will have continuity from your social media in terms of text, color, graphics, language, and everything, you know, you, you, you want it on 
par to what you're displaying on your advertising platforms or social mm -hmm. media, you know, you can expand a bit because you will have had some touch points created with that person in an earlier place that brought them to your website. So you don't have as much of an urgency to put the product in front of their face. It can be a bit, okay, I've seen Nelson and I've seen his quotations and I've, you know, seen a few snippets of his podcast. So now when they click and they land on the full website that will have that same welcome and that more direct call to action under us on the welcome page, you can start rolling out a little bit more what you're about as your brand has expanded. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's quite a bit of a process in doing that. Mm -hmm. that's and that's it. That's within the eight weeks, that eight week. That yeah, well, the, yeah, well, well, what, what, what I, what is very foreseeable at the end of eight weeks is to have the splash page, that landing page, that basic branding end to end cycle done, expanding mm -hmm. out the landing page to a full web page, etc. You could have that done in eight weeks, but generally I, I feel if it's a startup, they won't be at the races to have their wits about them to do that and do that successfully at that point. You know, you won't have some audience uh, built up in terms of data and pixel tracking because, for example, to do that expansion, right? What, so what we're trying to do is we'll start off with a piece of a, of a service that you're offering. Mm -hmm. And as you figure out your own stuff, and the people that it's speaking to, expanding the website to a full website is then, that's like getting the umbrella of the brand. And then mm -hmm. that has to fit in context to how those various things slot side by side each other. So for example, as simple as it is to say now, because I've done this, mm -hmm. when Ultra Mile started, it started with me doing athletic stuff. Okay, mm -hmm. So athleticism and sports, that's one thing. Then it started with me helping single fathers, people that came from a position of depression and, and, and desperation and uh, stress where I came out of. Then, right. I, moved on, then I moved on to uh, doing the PR or the web development work because mm -hmm. I had to learn to do it myself you know, right. out of necessities. Then it became a service. And then that branch to doing PR work. So when you look at all those things, they're very separate things, you know, from doing running challenges to PR work for high-profile court cases. It's totally and all different. Things. Yes. But as the brand, as I have dialed into my audience, <clears throat> and as I have also gone about my journey of Ikigai and discovering my why and what and how and refining it, because I go back to all this once every eight weeks, I'll be checking my own analytics and insights and I'll be dialing stuff in the whole time myself. I then discovered that the routine themes that sass under why I do what I do, it was those words I've already called out, um, leadership. And when I say leadership, mm -hmm. I mean set the example, walking the walk. Leadership, right. mm -hmm. accountability, holding yourself accountable as well as your team because when you have employees, that's a very important thing. Right. And discipline, you can carry out those other themes. And then I figured out, so that's where we came up with helping conquer the impossible in business and in life. You know, that kind of sentence, it's like, okay, very simple, concise. You know, Keelan Harrington, soldier, published author, um, uh, host of the Ultra Mile podcast and PR and web development. Okay, now we got some very short context to this. Uh, and then when we moved on, you know, the little subtext then that kind of sits under that. When I'm talking to people, my wife for doing this, I have learned is because I think with those three things, leadership, accountability, and discipline, you can put yourself in order. If you can put mm -hmm. yourself in order, not telling other people what to do, as is what most people like to do. You put yourself in order first. Mm -hmm. And hopefully somebody has some value in that. Maybe they put themselves in order and so on. It has an incremental effect. My why for doing that was uh, my son being born and understanding I need to put the world or myself in a different place so he can have a very different life to the one I had. So suddenly the personality of my brand kind of came to me rather than me looking for it. But I had to go through that process. So mm -hmm. it's about possible which from a physical challenge creates the mental strength to then tackle on these other things like 
developing brands and doing web work, which, you know, I was a knuckle-drugging Neanderthal that didn't know how to switch on a computer, you know, not all that long ago, and suddenly we're doing this. And again, the fundamental thing that sits under all of that is that whole responsibilities and accountability and holding yourself to it, learning to do it, and having value for actions, so on and so forth. So that's a process. So for someone else to find that umbrella level of, you know, conquering the impossible in business and in like their version of that, to find how their different services would sit side by side mm -hmm. under an umbrella brand level, you need a bit of time for that to percolate and develop and grow. So, you know, even though you could set a full-blown website up in eight weeks, <clears throat> it would have a huge disconnect because you'd have a website, you'd have some social media, you'd have some products, and then you'd have you with the funnel and the kind of streamlined onboarding system wouldn't be so streamlined because it's, it's quite disconnected. And nothing other than a little bit of time is what you right. need to really dial that in and hone those things. Right. You wouldn't have a having all the pieces working together. You would have uh, a person would have basically just throwing something up there like, hey, I got some stuff um, kind of throwing it up against a wall and hey, it's art, right? Um, no, it's not art. It's just a bunch of paint against a wall, um, right? So, no, no, no disrespect meant to my artist friends out there. Okay. So. <laughs> well, well, just something very quick, uh, uh, just to round that off. That that's what Apple did with their why. There's other people out there just as qualified to make products, just as good, if not maybe better than Apple. But why did they get above all the noise and all the other people? Because they really got their why correct. And they came at it from the humanism and the angle and the, you know, getting in touch with people's emotions and holding events and other things that kind of lined up to this bigger picture. So people felt part of a, a bigger idea and the phone and the sale became a byproduct of that why. And that's the same thing, you know, when I or you are going through this journey, it's like, how do I differentiate from everybody else that's doing this? There's other competitors in this sphere. What makes me different? And what makes an individual different is really nailing that, hey, this is Nelson. I don't want to listen to someone else. I want to listen to Nelson and okay. bringing that to the forefront. So I, I, which takes us to the next question, right? And this question comes from, um, well, it comes from Shota. Um, and, but I have to ask it. I think you kind of answered it, but I have to, her question. And it's funny because some people are more, Give me concrete stuff, right? Like I yeah. engineers and PhD chemists, and you know who I'm talking to out there. Um, you know, PhD chemists, people. Um, uh, how, the question is, how do you make your digital business stand out from the clutter? Because you go online and there's a lot of clutter out there. How do you make your business or that specific business kind of broad stroke? But how do we make it? stand out yeah so again the likes of my ikigai module my creative brief and my prime product definition modules are what go through quite a lot of this stuff so in summary i sort of went on it already it is the whole what is how do we bring you into the product you know remember when they sacked steve jobs for a while they hired him like uh, back a year later a year and a half later mm -hmm. it's because they hit the glass ceiling you know apple was steve jobs it was him driving the brand. Some of the problems that I had, um, there was one customer and I, I had to um, say we were going to close off at this phase and no longer do anymore. Not because I didn't like the person, not because they weren't paying, but the wrong thing would have been to continue taking money from the person because what was happening is they were getting a sense of fulfillment and satisfaction out of seeing this thing come to life. We were literally doing all the work, charging them four times more than they should have if they were empowered to do it themselves. And what was going to happen is if this person didn't learn to do the stuff themselves, if, God forbid, and I know there's some of you rooting out there, Keelan drops dead or gets hit by a bus, uh, you know, the essence of your company is gone. And that should never happen. It shouldn't be right. me. It should be you. So I had to get this person and I had to go, look, you really need to, to, to have a look at this. What also happened is because they were not doing the work themselves, they had a disconnect from the value. You know, if you turn around and say to me, 
yeah, I'm going to go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a, a bookstore. By the time we finish that, we've landed on a car sales yard. Do you know how much work I've done in between conversation one and two? It's like going for a haircut and saying, take it all off. Actually, I want a mohawk. It's like, no, we've done this first. You cannot go. This needs now a whole new uh, playing field to, to take place. So going back to that, everybody's in that position. They're trying to get online and it's noise and it's this and it's that. And you cannot escape that sentence as simple as it sounds and as much as you heard it. People buy people, not the product. And if you can't come across to be that person and, you know, and be dialed into yourself, and I mean clued in, I mean I've done that work to really figure it out. And you know what the other unfortunate knife edge on that scenario is? Mm -hmm. Most people only get to wanting to do this when they've ended up in a pressured situation where it's a financial proverbial gun to their head of, you know, you need to do this because your li livelihood is dependent on it. Mm -hmm. Now, whilst that can be a great motivator, if an individual can handle that stress and pressure, it tends to bring all the wrong characteristical traits uh, to the surface that does not convey well in that creative process because your essentially desperation comes through and your why is clearly rooted into Financial survival. <laughs> yes. And nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. And I don't know how many of the listeners will resonate to this, but it, I go, I go online to webinars and seminars just to see what other people are doing and stay in the loop. And, you know, I'll go back to people I've been to before and see what they've upskilled and changed. And the difference between startup people say two years ago, where when it, you know, they had the very clear webinar structure, how to close the sale, how to whatever, and because they were dependent on it, oh my God, it just screamed through, you know, the moment that part of the webinar came up of, oh, and just so you know, you can buy this if you want, you know, they meant it. I'm sure they were not there to rip people off. That's obviously not it, but it conveyed it. They were in a stress situation. Now that they're a year or two further and they've actually made some money and that pressure is off them and they've gone through that process, They've got a completely different demeanor when it comes to that part. Like, yeah, you can take it or leave it because they are genuinely not bothered. If, if you've got value in what they have to say, you'll buy it. If not, it's gone. And I can't express how important that part is. And there's another funny byproduct off of that. When you have value in what you do, you can charge more first right. and cut, cut your work down. And which is what I've done. I, we turned around and we were like, we need to charge four times more for doing this. And because I'm fortunate enough that I'm in a position, you know, I'm not the richest man in the world by any stretch of the imagination, nor would I pretend to be. But what I'm trying to say is I'm okay. You know, I can survive and I don't have to worry about my Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They are fulfilled. I'm not stressed. So you can kind of go and say no. And the things that happen is sometimes some people want you more. And what happened in another scenario, and I experienced this as well from somebody by not taking money off people for the sake of, because you don't need it, you can offer the best advice. And in the long term, people will value you for that so much more because there's a sense of value in you as a person and not what they could get out of you. So, right. you know, mm -hmm. and people, they will come back to you. They will <clears throat> respect you for that and they will come back to you then. And then by the time they come back to you, they've done so much more of the work themselves. They're almost ready to kickstart a little bit faster than when you would have started here. And they might not have made the journey between where they were and where they now are, whereas they've done all that work themselves and they can't blame you for it going wrong. And now right. they've started on a stronger starting mm -hmm. point and they've got that respect for you. And it's nearly always successful from that point forward. So there's a couple of things there. I hope I broke them down enough to give context to those various scenarios. It, yeah, you did. You did. And, you know, we're, we're, we're coming across right here. Um, we're, as, as we're doing this, th there is a question because we're going to kind of take a little bit of a step back and, and some of the questions for, from very technical engineer people, if you all know who I'm talking about. Um, okay. and it was a question, what works best? Advertising, getting my name out, YouTube, paid ads, podcast, what should I be looking for? Okay. 
So there's a couple of ways that you can answer that again in a, in a clear, concise manner. I'm going to contextualize it with something, but then I'm going to answer with some suggestions. Mm-hmm. Saying what works best is again, to use a martial arts analogy. It's like saying, which one should I learn? Which is the best? It's like, no, there's a whole range of things out there. You need to try a few, figure out what works from you. And you know what? You'll probably take a bit of Aikido, a bit of Jiu-Jitsu, a bit of Muay Thai, a bit of Karate. And then suddenly in different environments, you'll realize, you'll kind of automatically know to do one here and one there as you practice, learn, and repeat. Um, I guess, look, Facebook works well if you get into the beast of the Facebook uh, advertiser and you learn mm-hmm. how to follow it because you'll pick up some audience data pretty quick. Data is your friend. I say that, but you will come back to that sentence time and time again. Can you just repeat that again? Data is your friend. Okay, all my engineer friends, all, all of you people who love, you know, give me solid stuff. You just said it. Yeah. So you can get uh, some, so you can start your pixel tracking uh, from Facebook pretty quick, you know, seeing what audiences are engaging, the demographics, their ages, their location, their region. So you can kind of start to get a sense of, okay, who is looking at my stuff? Um, Facebook, just for people's information, there's talk about uh, an iOS software update that's coming in that will limit that pixel tracking and that retargeting capacity. So there's about a 14-month window on that last I heard. Just something to be aware of. You know, I wouldn't be heavily reliant on this. I would use it as more tertiary plan. Uh, on on which, which one? Facebook. Facebook, okay. Yeah. Uh, YouTube and Google ads are pretty free reign. And again, it's the same, much the same. They just have different operating systems to uh, learn how to use them and navigate them. But they're pretty cheap. You don't have to spend a lot of money to start off. It'll give you some ideas and insights into your audience and how to develop stuff. Don't spend big money on your first ad campaign. You know, Generally, if you're talking about wanting to just look at a pattern and a trend, what we what, what tends to happen by and large across the spectrum of a multitude of products from martial arts to the psychic horse whisperer, mm-hmm. you spend about a thousand bucks on month one and it's gone. You know, it's, there's no return. Your software is learning stuff, people, audience, familiarizing. Your second month, you break about even on the thousand bucks. And on month three, you could expect that you'll be 400 bucks up, you know, four or five, 600 bucks up. So you're a thousand back plus that tends to be the general pattern of how that works. Just to give some solid responses. Right. But again, it's a little bit of trial and error and, you know, figuring out the individual and also the work that they put in, you know, you'll only get out what you put in. Right. And they've got to massage the data so that they know where to yeah. use and, you know, what's what, yes. yeah. what's what, um, you know, Keelan, as we're going along here, what kind of um, advice or uh, could you give to people as as we're as we're starting to close up here? Any books, places, people, uh, anything that you would recommend? Um, oh, loads of stuff. When you say books, places, people, um, I probably said this in our first podcast, but I'll say it again. Uh, the whole "Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future." Ah, okay. it, 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 it's really something you need to, it's hard to do, but if you're that smartest person in the room, you need to walk into a new room. Right. That raising your standard is going to automatically up everything else and bring you into the people and the environments that you're looking for to execute these newfound priorities. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to books, I'm not a big book guy. As in, you know, I've, I've read my fair share of books, but as someone said to me, um, someone that I've got respect and take a little bit of, uh, a fair bit of advice from, from a business standpoint, would you rather take advice from someone that's read 700 books or done 700 deals? Mm-hmm. This guy had, I think, read one of the 700 books, but he, had, he did 700 deals, you know? Well, I'd love like, to read the book he wrote, so. Huh? I'd love to read the book he wrote. Yeah, 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 exactly. But um, essentially, why I bring that up is people think that knowledge is power. It's, it's not. Taking action is. And that whole gathering knowledge ends up being procrastination in disguise. And I've seen that a lot as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And just interestingly, on a side note, 
I do want the best for people and, and why I've made some of the decisions I've made in terms of how I've pivoted my own business and operated. But in that process, I did this thing where I started to take people on for free in certain mentorship programs because I was the recipient of, you know, the way there's winners, there's losers, and there's some people who haven't yet figured out how to win. You mm-hmm. know, I was kind of in that bracket. I was born of a different environment and place and had to learn to operate in this world. And because somebody took that time and invested a bit of time into me, it changed the trajectory of my life and brought me to where I am. So I do believe in giving back that as best as I can. Mm-hmm. The interesting thing about doing that is I took on, over the course of a certain number of months, 20, it was four or seven people. And uh, any the long and the short is only one person made it through and made a change. Nobody mm-hmm. else had skin in the game, had an investment of some kind, had the belief, mm-hmm. you know. So, um, that that reflects on they all talked about change, they all read books, they could quote me Tony Robbins and Grant Cardone and all these people, and it was super. And I guess that's great, that's just a spark, but you need to find petrol and put it on the fire afterwards and, and keep it going, right? So, right, right, you know. Uh, so those it, it, that would circle me back to the three words I spoke about earlier: leadership, discipline, accountability. And accountability. You know, okay. uh, there's, uh, and I, there's not too much more to say. It, it, it's as simple as that. Get mm-hmm. started. You will stand in your own way. You will find reasons why it's never a good time. It's going to prohibit you from getting results. You know, and mm-hmm. it's not going to be easy. And oh, no. but I. I've got busy days and I've got kids. I know you do. The woman I had on my podcast a few weeks ago who finished her PhD while her husband is the mayor of Montreal in COVID lockdown while running the world's largest hip hop festival. She had a busy schedule too with her new toddler, but she still finished her PhD. It's not easy, but it can be done. So in terms of the show me your friends, show your future, that's why I say that. Seek out some people that have gone before you in what you're trying to do even if the business is totally different, if it's a personality you click with, you know, uh, and just be like, cool, if they've got a book, maybe you read their book or at least their biography. But that's it. Then you should get what you need to get started out of that. Don't then procrastinate. Make that plan, map out your priorities and execute it. Stay on mission, get it done, get on target, get off target, boom. And move forward. And then kind of second to last question, uh, kind of going definitely a step back. You mentioned mm. pixel tracking. What is pixel tracking? Because I know my engineers and some folks or creatives are going to be asking, what is pixel tracking? You mentioned that. What is that? Yeah. So your audience and your data tracking of your audience is called pixel tracking. So it's the who's coming to the website, who's coming to your social media. They're all plugged into you know, your Google Analytics or whichever one of those you're using so that you're tracking your audience from wherever they're coming from from your webpage to your Instagram, to your YouTube channel, everywhere. So you've this rounded picture of your audience and where they, where they are. So that's not demographics. That's just where they're coming from. Yeah. And where they're coming to and what they're clicking on. So, you know, you could see, Oh, I put out an ad campaign for the, uh, the, the, the mindset accelerator. Uh, a lot of people clicked on that sign up. Um, so they came to my webpage from that very specific um, portal in uh, not that many people came in from my podcast with Nelson okay so for some reason that didn't speak to them that did and then I would do a teardown of operations trying to figure out why what was said or not said what did I miss okay and by the way audience that's a hypothetical example okay people love coming in from this podcast okay so, <laughs> so just to throw that out there Okay. So, um, Keelan, how can people reach out to you? How can people um, touch bases with you? They can't. I don't want to talk to anybody. (laughs) No, I kid. I kid. I kid. Uh, People can find me across all social media platforms at Going the Ultra Mile. Or if you Google my name, Keelan Harrington, they come up on Google hand in hand. So it'll bring up all my social media and just click on message or my website and email me. So going the ultra mile. Okay. And by the way, folks, that's Keelan K E A L A N not O N. It shows up that way sometimes Keelan Harrington. 
So, uh, okay. Well, Kian, I want to say double and triple thank you. Thank you for yeah, this. No. Thank you for uh, having me on. And if anybody took some value out of any of the words I said, uh, feel free to send a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, no, wait, no. no. Well, and, if and anybody, it might, happen, it might happen. I got like, look at these pages of notes that I have. I've got all these pages of notes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and for the folks out there, this is Nelson Nelson J. Zambrano investing in America. Um, we're on focus on two areas. One is how to invest in the United States, U.S. Uh, real estate, not just foreign investors, but also people here to get started or even grow their businesses. And also bringing you interesting stories from entrepreneurs that have nothing to do with real estate. Like, for example, Keelan. Keelan is not in the real estate space, but the, these practices these best practices, practices, these ideas are key, totally outside of the real estate space, but now very applicable, very, very applicable right here. So again, Keelan, um, thank you very much and uh, look forward to having you again in the future. Yeah, no, likewise. And uh, I, I have some real estate stories, so that could be podcast three. <laughs> okay. Well, I definitely want to hear them. I definitely yeah. want to hear them. No, listen, thank you so much for having me on and uh, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And my pleasure. And you too. And uh, careful with that snow. Will do. All right. Bye.